Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamerson, and with me is Pastor Steve. And we're excited to have on the show today the senior pastor of Revival Church in Grandview, Washington, Joe. How are you doing, Joe? Edward Hoff, is yeah, that right? Edwards Hoff. Edwards with There's the S Hoff. Yeah. Um, Joe, my first question is, why do you hate Calvary Chapel? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm joking, but I did ask him, you know, I gave him kind of a heads up, you know, his church is Revival Church. And, you know, he's a, he is a Calvary Chapel, though. He's in our association. He fellowships with us, but he's not Calvary Chapel Grandview. Why is that? So there's two reasons. And the first reason is Chuck Smith. And I blame him. Okay. And that always gets people's eyebrows raised a little bit. So My when eyebrows I was, are going up right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I moved down to Grandview, I, I, I reread Calvary Distinctives. Felt mm-hmm. like, and I was moving down to do a church plant. And I was coming out of a Calvary Chapel, really in my whole, really walking with the Lord life, raising the church. But it's always been Calvary Chapel. And I'm reading Calvary Distinctives, and at the end of one of the chapters, and I forget which chapter it is, but midway through the book, Chuck talks about, you know what's great about being Calvary Chapel is that if you're a Nazarene or you're a Presbyterian or a Methodist, people know what you stand for, but with Calvary Chapel, you gotta come and find out. And as I moved down here to plant a church, I'm thinking, man, that's so true before the internet. <laughs> and so many people know Calvary Chapel. And, you know, that was something that was just kind of laid on my heart. Like, you know, I like that idea of just a non-denominational church name where people have to come and find out. But when I first started, I started a Facebook group, Calvary Chapel Grandview. And that's actually how I got the thing going was Calvary Chapel Grandview. Started a Facebook group. Um, and something we'll probably talk about is I ended up merging churches. Mm. And so then right off the bat, because you're bringing two groups of people together, I didn't want to like, now let's change the name of your church. You know, because I was really trying to come at it from the whole, I'm not taking you guys over. We are bringing two groups together and we're going to try and meet in the middle to make this thing work. Um, doctrinally, was, we were good. Was the church called, called Revival? So, so their church was Grandview Christian Church. Okay. And so, yeah, so they were Grandview. So we were Grandview <clears throat> Christian Church for a few years of me being the pastor there. Okay. And so, and I actually, I had on our Facebook page, I had like a whole Grandview Calvary Chapel and Grandview Christian Church come to, and they're both like GCC. It was kind of great. Worked out great. So uh, same acronym. And so in the end though, part of what it was, was like, we started to say, look, you know, I think it's time. Let's do the name change. Because we, people knew that was always going to be a talk. And so the whole is, do you want to do Grandview Calvary Chapel? And part of it was like, you know, because we brought these two churches together, like, let's just sit down and talk about, do we want to just come up with a name that's just us? And it still was with, with leaders and members of the church who came from a non-Calvary Chapel background. Doctrinally, we didn't have any problems, but it was just like, and so the fact that I feel like that was on my heart at the very beginning, we just started tossing out church names. Mm-hmm. And revival was another thing that was on my heart. I was le- reading a lot of books on revival and just talking about it. It's like, we have a desire to see revival in this church and it really was bringing a, a dying church back to life, but in our town and community. So, so at this point, the way I joke with people is, if you're looking for a Calvary Chapel in Grandview, you quickly and easily find us. I'm posting Chuck Smith stuff all the time. I've got the Dove on stuff. I've got, so it's kind of, if you're looking for a Calvary, you find us. Yeah. If you don't know Calvary Chapel, you'd be none the wiser. I mean, you come in and you'll see Calvary Chapel magazine and this and that, but it's one of those, 
And I did have people, actually, at the very beginning, it was funny, I had one family come, and we were super small, you know, and like one new family was a really big deal. <laughs> and they came, and it was like, and then they found out we were Calvary Chapel, and they left. And they had their, you know, they had their thing that they, you know, yeah. that they were holding on to. And, but it was just like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, it's kind of fun to watch people come, and I've had people come, and it's, it took a couple months before they realized, like, oh, are you a Calvary Chapel? Yeah, we're a Calvary Chapel. You know, and like, oh, okay. And, but it's kind of fun to watch, you know, people find out as they go. But... That's kind of been my thing, though, lately, is if you're looking for a Calvary Chapel, it should be easy to find us. So is, I, your, is your church the only one that has revival? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just messing with you. you no, to, I know. And you don't have to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say this, though, is that like I, I try and work it into many sermons, last Sunday okay. and the Sunday before, just yeah. talking about, like, and always emphasizing my church. is like, if you guys read the Bible and you read church history, I was like, it shouldn't be hard for any American church today to look at our congregation and all the ones around us and look at these revived ones and go, yeah, something's missing. And so yep. I'm always emphasizing the need for revival. And so if that's one that's thing, right. it's not that we have it, but I try and continually <laughs> remind us to be that's looking right. for it and praying for it. Now, you, uh, before I even get to more of your calling in the ministry, you mentioned you merged two churches. And so... Uh, can you kind of walk us through what that looked like? Because I know you, know you said you're going to plant a church and uh, at some point, I'm guessing there was an opportunity to take a church building over. Or yeah. Maybe yeah. So it's um, kind of an interesting story. So yeah, I come down. Um, and so while I start a midweek Bible study uh, at our house, uh, I'm actually driving up the road to Dallas Sandoval's church in Toppenish, and I'm leading worship there. I showed up to just attend, and within the month, I was the worship leader. And so, and, uh, so I'm doing that on Sunday mornings, but I'm down. We started a Tuesday Bible study. And then on Thursdays, we were doing a youth study. I had a high school kid over raking leaves. Like, let's do a youth Bible study. Sure. Within a few months, our adult study had grown to six to eight people. And we had 30 plus teenagers coming in the middle of the week. So this is what things started as. And within the year, by the end of that year, someone told me that the Grandview Christian Church didn't have a pastor, hadn't had a pastor in years and they just had people guest teaching and I thought you might be interested in guest teaching there. So I came and I taught Philemon, you know, one day, one book and got it done and it was a nice time but it was probably about 15 people and the youngest of them were probably, I think in their late 50s, the youngest, definitely not the average age, but it went well and then came, I got invited back and so I went back again and after going there a few times we started talking about, you know, are you, would you consider, you know? And so we started talking doctrine and there was stuff that we had to hammer out and some stuff that, it turns out it was a very diverse group. Um, trying to make a long story short, you know, the Christian churches are cousins of the churches of Christ. And so it's kind of like if you took a church of Christ and added instruments, that's what the Christian churches were. Mm. But one thing I didn't know about churches of Christ and Christian churches is that apart from like baptism and the instruments thing with churches of Christ, autonomy is one of their biggest things is they're their own thing and there's no one over them but because of that they're all very they can be very different in doctrine because there's nothing really holding them all together so you might go to a church of christ and find an electric guitar someday and so these guys didn't have like any of the red flags i thought i might they didn't believe any of that stuff and they seemed like a good fit and ironically the previous pastor they had was pentecostal and so I joke with someone, they're like, well, what's this church like? All my old friends from Calvary Ellensburg were asking me, what's this church like? I'm like, imagine a church of Christ 
had a baby with a Pentecostal church. <laughs> they're like, they're like, it sounds a little bit almost like a Calvary Chapel. I go, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And so it was kind of cool to see how God made things work. Um, so we brought our groups together, and when we started, my wife was the oldest person in our group at like 30 or 31, and then I had a bunch of teenagers with me. And then their group, the, the youngest, so there was a big gap of over 20 years between the oldest in our group and the youngest in their group. And, you know, it took time, you know, and like everything, I think, you know, things settled, a couple people left. That's just kind of normal and emerge. But uh, I think going back, if I had to tell myself, you know, advice, it's just like, it's going to go a lot slower than you think, but it's going to be worth it, yeah. you know? And so that's one of the things I learned is just, yeah, it's a slow process merging groups, but on the flip side, you know, there's a whole lot, like we ended up with a paid off building, you know, and all these other things like, you know, I stepped into a situation that would have taken a lot of time to build. And so it's kind of cool to see how things worked. And it is the, the Grandview Christian Church has got over a 75 year history in the community. So even with a new name and everything like that and new changes, we, we still like to honor that history as a church. We've got a big hallway with all the pictures all the way from the very beginning until now. And so, so it was a good way to like to see a, a new t face and a new turn. I feel like God really did prepare the way, even with that Pentecostal pastor, you know, beforehand. It's just kind of fun to see how you know things were being put in place long before I got there. Yeah. So you you came out of Ellensburg, Cabot Chapel, is that right? Yeah. What was what was that called to look? You know, I just want to go back a little bit. Let's draw the curtain back a little bit more. <laughs> so you came from the uh, Taj Church. And uh, what did that look like? How did, did he commission you? What was the calling on your life like to go to Grandview? And why Grandview of all places? Yeah, I guess. so, um, and even taking things even a half step further, you know, I met this pastor at the gym when I was going to college in Ellensburg. And it was this little micro Calvary Chapel church plant that actually never quite took off. But I got to sit under this pastor for a year. Then I was driving 25 miles up to Clayellum and I helped serve in children's ministry and worship up there with Dan Renshaw for a couple of years. And then the pastor out of Yakima knew there were people in Ellensburg who wanted a Calvary. So he was coming up leading a, a Bible study up there. So I've now got two years of Tony Magania. And then we were the ones wanting to start the church. So actually Tad was getting ready to leave for Haiti as a missionary, sold off everything, had his bags packed, and then the door shut. Mm. And some people from our group were from Linden, where he was from, and we brought him down. And so we started the church meeting Sunday mornings in Ellensburg just a couple months before I got married in 2009. And so, so I was there from the beginning, um, serving and filling all these different roles of a small church start, meeting at the senior center and getting the ball rolling. But um, right after I got married, I got hired as the shop teacher down at Grandview High School. So 80 mile commute each way. <laughs> oh, and I did that for four years. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, in the midst of that, um, I started carpooling with an atheist, former Mormon Spanish teacher. He got saved after a year of our commute together. He ended up moving his family down with us at the time to do the church plan and everything. So we kind of came down together, Kyle, to get all this stuff going. Um, but it really was, is um, there was a fork in the road after my fourth year. And it was this beautiful timing because I had a homeroom group that all, they were seniors after four years, they were graduating. So, and I was offered a job at Ellensburg Christian School. It's like, okay, like I can put down plant roots. I was an elder at this point in Ellensburg. So it's like, here we go. Got a job in Ellensburg. We have a home, bought a home in Ellensburg. 
you know, everything's settled. Yeah. And then as soon as it, like the door opened, I felt like there's just unfinished business in Grandview. I had been leading a high school Bible study at the high school, public high school, during lunch with 25, 30 kids coming. And so it was this thing like, man, like there's a need here. And I did, you know, as far as I knew, there weren't any verse by verse teaching churches in the area, you know. And so told my wife, it's a big change this year. I'm either going to take a job in Ellensburg and it's going to be a big pay cut, private school, or it's going to be moving to Grandview. So it was like big change either way. And we prayed about it. We decided we're going to go to Grandview. So I went and told Tad, break, broke the news to him. He was, it was bittersweet. Yeah. Because I think he felt like, you know, I was a very useful guy. I became his kind of, I was like his backup teacher at the time. And so, so yeah, so we moved down to Grandview and then got the church plant started and all that. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Tad's doing good too, so it's good to know his yeah. story. Ended. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's doing plenty <laughs> fine without me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have a question with a with your merger. Um, what did that look like practically when you were when you were going through talking to the guys? Did they have a Did they have a board of elders? Did they? Yeah. So they had three elders and all great guys. One of which is still an elder for me, and um, and so. And, you know, but these at the time, you know, they were guys, none of them really felt called to be teachers, none of them really felt, but they were men who were invested in the church, godly men, mature men. And so they were holding things together. And, you know, the church was elder-led on paper, congregationally-led in practice, because we have 15 people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, and so that was one thing when I came, even though I officially started January 1st of 2016, um, I was still basically an interim pastor until we rewrote our bylaws. So that was one big thing was I want, I said like, yeah, I think, I think this is gonna happen, it's gonna work, but you know, until we go through these bylaws and kind of work things out, and so we shifted over to a pastor-led model and, and a few other things along the way, but, but yeah, so that was a big part of it was, you know, we sat down, we talked doctrine. I mean, I, I tried bringing up controversial stuff that could be, you know, hiccups or bumps in the road, and. You know, again, like, you know, some of the people in the congregation didn't all agree on all that stuff either. And so, okay. but in the end, you know, it, it, it ended up working out well. Okay, so when you were talking to these guys, were you telling them, okay, I'm a Calvary Chapel guy, this is, this is where I'm coming from, you were... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I explained to them, it's basically, you know, because um, I, I think it's hard when people don't have a Calvary background right. and don't understand, you know, a lot of people come from at least the mindset of denominations. Right. And, and denominations with top-down control and, and all this kind of stuff. I was like, here's the deal. I, I kind of explained, because I'm an ordained Calvary Chapel pastor, if I come, we're a Calvary whether you like it or not. Like, I, I was joking, but it's true. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. If, if you get me, you're a Calvary one way or the other. And I think some people had a hard time because they didn't want to feel like they were being taken over by a church. But it's like, right. well, no, like, if you want me as your pastor, the affiliation comes with me. Because it's it's not about top-down control. It's just this is what we're going to teach. This is what we believe, and and no one really had questions with the beliefs. Right. I think it was just that that fear of you know we've had this church for so many years. We didn't right. want to be taken over by a group, and it's like no, it's just you know being Calvary isn't about being taken over. It's just this is what we believe, and if you go from one Calvary to the next, you'll hear pretty much the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a big part of it was just kind of explaining to them what being a Calvary meant versus some of these other congregations where there's votes and there's, you know, right. all this kind of stuff that changes. You always hear about, you know, the Methodist church, the Lutheran church voting and all these things being passed. And it's like, no, we're, we're not under that. 
And I even explained to them too, and I think it was a, a good for them to chew on. It's like, you know, guys, if Calvary goes wacko on us, we're an email away from not being Calvary. I go, right. that's the freedom we have, is that we're just a group of churches that agree and have the same vision and beliefs, but there's no power trip controls like you might see in a, a formal denomination. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I would say it kind of happened the other way around. If you have a Calvary that goes wacko, it's an email away from them not being a Calvary Oh, I know, anymore. and it's true. <laughs> that's, obviously, that's more the case. But you know, you're talking to people who are from the outside, yeah, yeah. kind of being brought in, trying to explain, right, yeah. like, yeah, it's... It's a easy to break relationship either direction if yeah. there's ever a desire. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Joe, you're, uh, I want to say a fan of social media, but I do know that you have a large presence on social media. I, you know, I'm of the ilk that I, uh, I tolerate it and use it as, as much as I can for ministry purposes, but that's about as much as I can. And I know you have a philosophy and kind of a mindset towards it. Would you kind of share a little bit about that? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was funny because I was looking just recently back at my posts in 2015, 14, and I was like, man, I only posted like once a week. Like, I, I, I wasn't on there very much. And it was kind of funny because I was hoping to find stuff and I couldn't find things I was looking for because I didn't post that all that often. But when I moved down to Granby, when I was going to start a church, in fact, I went to the senior pastor conference uh, in 2000. 14, which would have been the first conference after Chuck passed. That was my mm. first senior pastor's conference. It was the first one without Chuck. Mm. And, um, and, but at that conference, Pastor Tad, he got me a copy of Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. Mm. And I remember just powering through that book and loving it. And there was two chapters on open air preaching. And as I look at Grandview in this town of 11,000 people, I'm like, well, Safeway it is then, because I don't know where else I'm going to find anyone walking outside, you know, with a, any number of people. And but jokes aside, it's, I started thinking, you know, social media is where people are. That is where people are congregating. And if you're not in a town that has actual people at a park or something, then the only place I'm going to be able to street preach is going to be on social media where people are gathering. And so at the very beginning, when we moved to Grandview, um, you know, one thing is I used to wake up really early to go to Grandview. Sometimes I'd exercise before going. So I'd have to get up at four just to do everything I need to do and get on the road and get to Grandview before school starts. But when I moved down, I just kept the pattern. So I still get up around four, plus or minus. And during that time, just doing devotions and reading and reading books on revival and books on prayer, you know, E.M. Bounds and all these guys I love to read. I kind of just made this philosophy. If something just like hits me, like, oh, that was good whether it was what I read or just a thought, like just something kind of goes like, ooh, like the Lord spoke, post it, post it, post it. And so what surprises people is I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I typically get on, post and get off. Like I don't look at anything. I just get on, type that thing up and back out and I'm back to reading again. And I'll try and talk to, like I'll check my comments and if people ask a question, I try and get back to them. But it just became this thing of if the Lord speaks to you, share it. And so that just became my philosophy. Every time the Lord speaks to you, share that. Like, don't just keep it to yourself, unless it, obviously I should keep it to myself, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, share it out, share it out. And so I shared a lot. And it, it, it doesn't hurt that when I, before I got called to be a pastor, I, I was thinking about starting a, a clothing line doing Christian t-shirts. And I had sold them at the Creation Festival and I'd done online stuff, sold them at the pastor's conference in, down in California, actually. I had a booth there and... Um, but during that time, I did a lot of research on social media marketing. Hmm. So on top of just that philosophy of always posting, I also knew a lot about how social media worked and what typically would 
get more response just as far as you know actually getting organic organic following and things like that so so that helped and i always went laura did you make me do all that t-shirt stuff just to figure out how to use social media yeah probably that was a long <laughs> slow lesson but if it worked it worked and yeah. so no i love it i think like you said I, you know there's an investment there because that is where the people are and you know we invest you know as a church not heavily in terms of finances but there's a really cheap way for people you know even yeah. i talk to pastors who want to get on live stream and stuff and i'm like well you, you need to be on facebook i mean if you're live streaming that needs to be a place you put your stuff out even if the production's not that great i mean it's free and right. same with youtube you can put stuff on youtube that's free and you know we've had a good response from that as well and so i think just telling guys especially in smaller communities this is a great way to exercise outreach and not get caught up in the social media you know uh, rounds of it all but uh, good thing to keep in mind. So, Afterglows, I know that's something that you've told me in the past. You emphasize at your church. You guys do them on Sunday nights, right? Yeah. And so, you guys do an Afterglow pretty much every Sunday night. And I was more curious, like, what does that look like? Are you doing a small teaching still, or is it just worship? Yeah. Uh, do you explain the Afterglow? Because I imagine you have new people come in periodically. Yeah, I, I only explain it periodically uh, and not all that often. And what I will say is I think by doing an Afterglow weekly, I find that they are often less eventful sometimes because every week is just different. And sometimes, you know, I, I always look forward to the Senior Pastors Conference at the Bar M, to the Doing Ministry Well Conference here, usually doing an Afterglow. Those are usually amazing. And I think sometimes when it's people coming really expectant, like this is the one time a year that we come together, a lot of times people are really like hungry for something. But that said, what I love about the afterglows at our church, I'll go back and explain it more in a second, but is that some weeks it's just really not much. And then other weeks it's great. And that just means, seems authentic because mm -hmm. it's not like you're gonna have yeah. bells and whistles all the time. Yeah. And um, so Sunday night is, we end up doing Sunday nights um, as our first night service you know we, when i first started there i just was sunday mornings and then we expanded to sunday nights instead of a midweek and so our sunday night is my through the bible teaching i teach for an hour ish um emphasis on the ish sometimes it's hour <laughs> 10 or, but uh but the thing is is uh then we just spend the time of prayer and worship but it's also open again as an afterglow and i so i sometimes explain to people like you know this is where it's not just an opportunity for corporate prayer but a word of prophecy we had someone share a word of prophecy this last sunday night you know and something i've gleaned from steve is actually <laughs> asking you know okay who was that for you know and finally someone sheepishly is like it was me it's like okay here you go pray for that person hmm. you know and they're getting prayed for and i had a couple of my elders you know sitting at the front hey if you need prayer whether it's for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit or it's just something you need, come on up and get prayer. So, you know, three, four, five people walking up during those songs. And so a lot of worship, a lot of times it's just corporate prayer, but other things happen during those times too. And, and some nights I'll push something a little more like, you know, tonight we're really going to be emphasizing, you know, seeking those fresh fillings and just getting people prayed for who need it. Um, I've had people share out utterances of tongues. It's not that common. You know, and it's just one of those things where uh, words of prophecy, even when people don't realize they're words of prophecy, I don't know how many times I've had people just pray and it's like, oh, I'm the only one in the know about what's going on in this person's life <laughs> yeah. and they just yeah. hit the nail on the head, right. you know, and so it's, it's cool to see. So, so it is just how we do closing worship. Um, 
And you don't do worship before, right? You just do teaching? Typically and then... just teaching. I might open with a song, depending okay. on the night, you know, just depending on if maybe it's a shorter teaching, I might open with one song. But yeah, typically it's we go right into the teaching at six o'clock. It's usually over around seven, and then we do the rest till eight o'clock. And just curious because, you know, I was thinking, okay, we had one week where Steve had to start teaching before we did anything else. It was third service because he had to take a flight out. So he's going to fly down to the pastor's conference. So we had him teach first. And our, our church is notorious for coming in 5, 10, 15 minutes late. Does that happen during teaching? You or know, people kind of yeah. have the expectation, he's teaching right now. We should probably be there. Yeah, you know, Sunday nights, people are a little more punctual. And I think because they know I teach first thing. And maybe <laughs> right, that yeah. helps when people realize. Every now and then I mix things up. The other week, I, uh, we passed up communion during the first song. And people came up later like, I didn't get commuted. It's like, well, yeah. church starts the same time every week. You know, I just because I changed the order. But, uh, but yeah, so it is people, you know, people still come in late, you know. But, uh, but I do think I should be a little bit more punctual on Sunday nights because, yeah, they know it, the teaching starts first thing. So. Okay, so if you were going to give uh, any of the guys advice on how to do an afterglow, what would you tell them? <sighs> well... Firstly, I'm on really good terms with my worship leader. Um, and that's because I am the worship leader. But, and it helps. And, and he I, takes all your cues really yeah, he, well. Yeah, he's good at it. He's good. <laughs> this one mind. But, um, but for what it's worth, that's a huge thing to me because I know a lot of talented musicians <clears throat> who don't know as much about leading worship. And I know a lot of worship leaders who might not kind of understand the concept of an afterglow. And so that's something is that, you know, the worship leader is an integral part because if you're playing songs in between stuff, he needs to be able to at least read the room, read the past, read what's going on to make sure that it's not just, I have six songs to play and so I'm going to play my six songs. Right. So I think that's a really big thing. Mm. Um, not being afraid of silence. Exactly. You know, like yeah. it's, you don't need to play a song when there's silence. Give people some time of silence. You know, I play solo, but I have a synth pad, so it's like there's some background noise there. So it's not just like utter silence, but it's like a you know, keyboard or something else. You know, it's like so there's a little background noise, but yeah, we I'll watch a minute go by, a minute and a half, two minutes go by, and I'll kind of decide, okay, am I going to play another song, or am I gonna keep waiting, or even encourage people, maybe prompt some thoughts, or even things to think about. Um, so I think those are big things. And I do think occasionally just reminding people, you know, that this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is your opportunity. And, you know, and reminding people, you know, don't chicken out and don't, <laughs> you know, don't miss out on this opportunity. And, and so I think it's good for people to have some healthy ultimatum sometimes of like, well, tonight's your opportunity. If God spoke to you during the message about something, tonight you can do something about that or just stay seated. Like you can respond to God or not. And you and just kind of like, and I think, you know, people can get saved and respond to God in any way, shape or form in their hearts, in their chair. But a lot of times it helps when people realize like I went and got prayer. Yeah. I went and prayed with that elder. I, I, I raised my hand at the, you know, at the, at the appropriate time. Um, one thing just tossing in here too is, um, this was something that's a carryover from the Christian churches that we kept is they do weekly communion. Mm -hmm. So we do weekly communion at my church. 
Um, and we always have it available Sunday nights as well. So that children's ministry, a lot of people who didn't get it in the morning, they'll have it. So that's another nice thing with the afterglow is communion's available. So people will come up and take communion during that time too, which is another, um, just I think it's a nice thing having available for those who just take, they take it individually during that worship time. So other things we do. No, that's good. That's helpful. All right. You ready for the lightning round? Okay. Okay. So we just talked to you about the fact that you listen to your to pastors at one and a half speed, but who would be your go-to guy to listen to that you love to if you got to listen to one guy you only you're on a desert island and you only had one guy with yeah. his tapes who's who is it yeah if it's one guy it'd be joe foch okay if it's one guy it'd be joe foch i was just telling pastor steve he's at least recently he's been one of the he's been the second guy him and joe have been the two main guys i've been listening to and for me um as a pastor i don't feel like i need much inspiration preaching i don't really like homiletical commentaries you know, there's a, I like Alan Redpath. There's a couple of guys I like, but it's like, for the most part, I need information that mm -hmm. I can further research and reword and disseminate to my congregation. And so I like the pastors who are going to tell me things that I did not pick up in a book or like, okay, like, so I usually like the, the, the nerdier guys. You're pretty nerdy, Steve. Oh, I think he knows fired. it. fired. Yeah. I, can't, I can't believe that you put Joe <laughs> Foshin in front of me. I'm a little... Old. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, he's okay. But, uh, I love that guy. Yeah, he's, you know, no, Joe, Joe's, and it, it, it is. Some yeah. of these guys, it's kind of like, I just read six commentaries, and where on earth you get that from? And so I am friends with his, his daughter, and she'll go into his library and take pictures of his books for me. Oh, so that's, that's one of those, sweet. like, you know, you have to have those friends in low places. And so, but yeah, so he's, he'd be my go-to. All right. Uh, number two, what is a good read recently? Not just a good read in general, but something you've read recently that you'd suggest for other pastors to read. I don't know if I recommend to read what I'm reading. It's a lot of hard reading. Um, I, I'll say, I'll just say that what I am reading, okay, a couple books I'm reading right now. I'm rereading for I don't know how many of time Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. Mm. That book was a game changer for me. And then I reread it and I'm reading it with a new highlighter color. <laughs> so I can actually see if like, you know, just new things that are coming to mind. Um, and I usually tell people to read um, Preacher and Prayer by Ian Bounds yearly. I just tell, it's a short read. It's not very big. So it's like, Tell pastors, read it every year. It's worth reading every year. Um, but on top of that, you know, I'm reading just fun side study. Apart from my own studies, I'm reading Israelology by Arnold Fruchtenbaum right now. That's a nice mm -hmm. little 700-page, you know, it was, his, it was his doctoral dissertation. He, he knocked it down from 2,000 pages to, to 700 pages oh, right? appreciate to it. make it more palatable. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but it's, it, it's, it's good, though. He's, he's a great guy. So, it's, you know, that's kind of a, that's, that's my, like, intellectual side study. And then, but why revival tarries? And actually, I'm also reading um, Born After Midnight by Tozer, a book on revival. Mm -hmm. And so I find I, I always have one Tory, Tozer, Bounds, Ravenhill. I mean, one of those guys that are just there to inspire me. And I just always have to have one or two. And I just slowly move bookmarks and I might not read it every day. I might read one chapter a week, but I'm always moving through those books because they just inspire me and keep me kind of yeah. fired up on top of all the intellectual stuff, you know, learning for what I do. All right, so last lightning round question, emphasis on lightning, <laughs> no, just I kidding, <laughs> uh, would be what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's in full-time ministry or looking like their God is calling them into full-time ministry? One bit of advice. Hmm, that's hard for lightning round now. I think no. Gotta narrow this thing down. Um, in some ways I'd say, you know, be you because that's the thing I was just telling someone is that I, I see people all the time who've never been to a Calvary 
I know like during COVID you experience this, so you see it at least a lot, where all these people come to a Calvary, never seen a Calvary, and they hear verse by verse teaching, and it just blows their mind, and you always get to tell them, I came up with that. No, and that, <laughs> but it's a, you know, because they've just never heard someone do verse by verse teaching, but I was telling someone recently, I said, but you know, like Joe Foch, for instance, I said, Calvary pastors are still very broad and across the board, how they teach, how they go through the word, and you know, we can't try and be Chuck and we can't try and be Joe or David Guzik or Steve. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a pastor, you know, find out what your flavor is and what you're going to be. And like me, like I'm into facts and stuff like that. Like I tell my people, if you, listen, when you have the mic, you don't have to talk about history, but I have the <laughs> microphone and you're going to learn about history, you know, <laughs> and this is how the battle marathon went. And I start walking them through, you know, and so it's like, that's yeah. just me. And so I think that's the thing for all of us though, is that if we try and be someone else, yeah. it's just not going to hit. It will not land when you're trying someone else's style and we can look up to and admire Guzik or these, you know, like, I always joke about, you know, every beginner, you know, will you teach this Sunday? Sure. And like, are you walking up there with Guzik's notes? Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they got enduring word commentary notes in front. But it's like, yeah, find out who you teach like and what your interests are and roll with that because God will bring you a flock that, you know, that will bless you for the way he made you. If you're called to the ministry, then you are crafted for the ministry. Yeah. And so God will have you prepared for what you're going to do. And I think there's that temptation of, you know, copying another style and just be you. Like it. Appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll have you on again at some point. We'll make you drive down from Grandview again. So Fair. <laughs> All right. God bless, man. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.